Greetings, and welcome to Etzheim's weekly podcast, recorded live in Richardson, Texas. We invite you now to join us for one of our synagogue's Shabbat messages. So I wanted to review a little bit, those of you that uh, raise your hands if you weren't here about a month ago to hear me talk about this, the, and this was not just entering into the presence of God, but practicing the presence of God. And um, I had him zoom out. Just same as last time. Um, one of the things that I uh, wanted to review is just when you're entering in prayer, there was two main concepts that I went over. And one of them is waiting on the Lord. And the Bible says, they that wait upon the Lord, he shall renew their strength. And waiting is key. Waiting actually is the bridge that brings you into the presence of God. Because that waiting allows your self to die. And unless you've died to self, you can't worship him and even fellowship with him in the spirit. The second thing after waiting was be still. And a lot of times it's really hard for us. You know, we get in there and we start prayer and we just start talking and we have all of our petitions, but we never shut up. Well, that's not fellowship. I'm going to go a little bit into this a little later, but be still and know that I am God. You will not know God unless you're still. So that kind of catches you up in a in a small nutshell of uh, the hour-long sermon I did. Uh, if, if you want to listen to it, it's on YouTube. You can go on the Etzheim website. And well, by the way, welcome to everybody joining us on live stream. Um, today we're going to continue where I left off and uh, go into a little bit more of, of what the anointing is and how it works. And over the years that I had a chance spending um, in the ministry, traveling around the country and being in these different conferences, um, seeing the power of God move, there's there's a lot of things that I learned. Um, some of them I wish I'd learned early on as a Christian and or just being a, just being a saved believer. And it would have helped me greatly. And I think... When I witness to people now and I'm bringing them to Christ, some of these very things that I learned, I'm trying to really machine gun them in their head so that they don't have to learn it the hard way, right? And so this is why I want to kind of share with you guys today some of the lessons learned of the anointing and how it works, um, just so that you guys have a better understanding of it. Uh, the third part of the what I didn't get to finish is how do you keep it? Now, when the presence comes, and you and I and I use the tabernacle as a reference, and in fact, Moses, when he gave us the tabernacle, everything in it had to do with Yeshua, and from the outer court to the inner court to the holy of holies, when Yeshua said, "I am the way, the truth, and the life," he was actually describing the outer gate, the the first curtain that you would have to go through, the door you would have to go through to get into the inner court. And the veil was called the life. That's when he said this, the Pharisees were like, oh my goodness, you blaspheme, right? Because they knew what the, that it was called. So this is actually a model when he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. This was the model of getting into his presence because no one comes to the Father but by me, right? So having this as a reference point and understanding the different pieces of the tabernacle, what was the first piece that you saw? Well, that was the altar of sacrifice. The very first thing you do when you get into prayer, you have to die to self. This is your sacrifice, not just his. The second thing that happens, and I and I went over this in Leviticus chapter 14. If you guys have a pen and paper, please take notes on this because you're going to want to remember this later. But Leviticus chapter 14 talks about the law of the leper in the day of his cleansing. And a leprosy is symbolic of sin. And I'm going to cover a lot more of this here in a minute. But leprosy... Um, if you've ever seen it, it's very hard to look at if it's if a person has it. You know, you see stuff kind of falling off of a person and stuff. It's gross. That's why they'd wrap their skin with bandages and call out, I'm unclean, I'm unclean. Uh, but the law of the leper in the day of his cleansing means he was a healed leper. Well, what is that symbolic of? Someone who's been forgiven of their sins, right? So this cleansing process was a shadow of what we apply now in the substance. 
right? And it had the blood that was being applied to the tip of his right ear, the tip of his right thumb, and his right big toe. And after the blood was applied, the priest would command to take for him a log of oil and rub it on the tip of his right ear, his right thumb, and his right big toe. And this was the law of the leper for his cleansing. So the second thing you see in this outer court is the laver. And the laver was the cleansing that they would wash their hands and cleanse themselves after they just sacrificed this bull on the altar outside before they would even be allowed into the holy place. Once you got into the holy place, and by the way, as you all know, you mess up any of these pieces of this part, if the priest wasn't worthy during this process, God would kill him. That's why they used to wear bells attached to their leg before they would go in. Those bells would quit ringing, but they're like, yep, he messed up. They'd have to yank them, they'd have to pull him out, right? <laughs> Who'd want to volunteer to be that guy? Not me. I don't know. But anyway, so then once you get into the holy place, you see three things. The priest would see three different things. On the very right-hand side was the table of showbread. What is bread symbolic of? Yeshua, that's right. It's also symbolic of the word of God. And, and both answers are correct. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He is the word made flesh. So, as I said, everything in here is symbolic of him. So the priest would go in there and he would take some of this showbread. And it actually had like some bitter herbs that were sprinkled on it or or soaked in, in the bread. So he would eat some of this bread, but it would be a little bitter to the taste. Because what is the word sometimes, right? I mean, we, we ingest it, and sometimes it's, you know, kind of sharp like a sword, right? Kind of cuts, cuts you to the deep. So after he would eat some of this bread, it's symbolic of getting, you know, reading the word of God. Well, then afterwards, he would go to the lampstand and light the, light the candlestick. That is symbolic of revelation. Light is symbolic of revelation. So you would read the word. And then you would have revelation of what that word said. Then, the next thing that leads you to is worship. Then the altar of incense was lit, and smoke would fill the tent. By the way, there's no chimneys in this in this tabernacle, right? So just imagine this sweet aroma, not only with just the smoke and the aroma, it's covered all, I mean, you can't even see at this point, that it, it completely filled the inside of this tent. And then he would go and pull back the veil and take the blood of the trespass offer and then take it into the Holy of Holies. And that's where God's presence was on the actual ark. That was his seat. It was the actual seat. And when you think mercy seat, if anybody's ever seen, I wish I had remembered his name and wrote it down. I wouldn't say it's Ron or Rob or whatever. He's, he actually did a, um, got to actually see the ark. This is a long, I didn't mean to go into this today, but he actually saw the Ark of the Covenant and it looked like a seat with the angels that were on either side of it. And this was symbolic of his throne. So when he went in, God was there. His presence was there. And he received the blood of the trespass offering. So all this whole process of getting in was three parts, right? There's the outer the inner, and then the Holy of Holies. And we are three parts, right? We are body, soul, and spirit. And my goodness, my thing just took off on me. Man, it's like 15 minutes into my message. I didn't start this. Um, I've got a teleprompter up here. I kind of took some things from Biden, right? So, hey, if it's good enough for him, I'm just not losing my mind like he is. Um Uh, no, I shouldn't get political. <laughs> Sorry. See, now I'm off track. Now I don't even remember what I was talking about. So, we're three parts as well. We're body, soul, and spirit. Or, when you're saved, spirit, soul, and body. And the reason that you know this is when God created Adam and Eve, he created them spirit, soul, and body. How do you know this? Well, because they were God-conscious, not self-conscious. And literally, they were the only two people in the world that were born again backwards. So when they sinned, 
What happened? They flipped. They became body, soul, and spirit. And how do we know this? Because, oh my gosh, I'm naked. They lost the consciousness of God and became self-conscious. So how do you know if you're walking in the spirit? You're not conscious of self. His fruits are there. His presence is there. And by the way, fruit and presence will go together. And then I'm going to show this to you here in a minute. So that's pretty much sums up the catching you guys up to where practicing of the presence was. And to practice that, it's following the model that he gave us. And I did a whole demo. And I highly recommend you go back and watch the video. I did a whole demo on how this works and how I do it every every day. And you need to do this in the mornings. And And I have found out the hard way, if you get, wake up in the morning, you're like, man, I'm exhausted. I can't go pray this morning. I'm gonna, Lord, I, I promise you, I'm going to do it this evening. If you do it that evening, that's great. But I'm going to tell you, you're going to mess up all the way through the day. If you don't do it early and seek him early, you're going to mess up. Because there's nothing inside you. I don't, I don't care how much you had the, the day before. But if you don't do it Early, I'm telling you, your day's going to be a mess. All kinds of things are going to be thrown at you. And this week's been pretty rough. I've been really, really, really busy um, with work stuff. And, and I had to delay my, my prayer time, and I, I regretted it. So I'm telling you, just take, it, take my advice. Do it in the mornings. Um, the third part about it is how you keep it and how you keep the anointing. Samuel actually gives us a really great reference on how all that happened with uh, with uh, Jacob wrestling. I don't know why I said Samuel with uh, Jacob wrestling with the angel, and we use this as kind of a model because once you feel that presence starting to lift, you want to go back and get on your knees and 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 grab it again because if you don't, then it'll continue to to leave. So turn with me real quick, and I apologize because we're doing a little bit of catch-up. I did not have slides for this, so uh, forgive me, but I wanted to get you guys, and, and we had some requests for me to finish this teaching. So this is just the last part of it, but everybody turn to Genesis 32 in your Bibles, and we're going to start reading at verse 22 and go through 29. I'll give you a little bit to get there. First book, in case anybody's wondering. All right. Verse 22. The same night he arose and took his two wives, the two female servants, and his eleven children, and crossed the ford of Joppa. And he took them and sent them across the stream and everything else that he had. And Jacob was left alone. And a man wrestled with him until the breaking of the day. When the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob... He touched his hip socket, and Jacob's hip was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. Then he said, Let me go, for the day is not broken. But Jacob said, I will not unless you bless me. And he said to him, What is your name? And he said, Jacob. Then he said, Your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel. For you have striven with God... With, with men and have prevailed. And then Jacob asked him, please tell me your name. But he said, why do you ask my name? And there he blessed him. So Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, saying, for I have seen God face to face, and yet my life has been delivered. Now, this is a Christophany, if, if you understand what that is. That's basically a visual, physical appearance of Christ in the Bible that doesn't really name him. Jacob does. He says he's God. So we see a lot of things happening here. Number one, the, the name Jacob means heal. Israel means wrestling with God. So before anointing you, you were just a heel. When you wrestle with God, you become blessed and anointed. There is a key here. I want you all to really grasp it. Because when Jacob wrestled with him, what happened to his head? Touched out of place. There is a price for the anointing. 
And I want everybody to understand this. This isn't, this isn't an easy task. If you really want the presence of God on your life, your, his, your, his fruits inside of you, there is going to be a price for him to put that anointing because the anointing follows. But again, that price that even Jacob paid, he was blessed. That's why he became Israel. Though, I think I really need to explain how the anointing works. And this is, this is another thing that I had picked up, um, really later on in, in my walk. But it was kind of interesting to see how this works. There were three types of an anointing in the Bible. And that we experience and, and hope to experience. The first type of the anointing is the leper's anointing. And again, we saw that in Leviticus of the healing of the leper. And so leper kind of fits here is why it's kind of named this way. And a leper's anointing is the first anointing you get upon salvation because it takes care of sin. So if you want to turn your Bibles, you can read this with me real quick. John twenty twenty two. you see... The very first time the disciples were anointed, we all think that it happened in Acts chapter 2. But the first time they were anointing was for the beginning of their salvation was the forgiveness of sins on John 20, 22. And it says he breathed on them and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. That was the first time. The second anointing is called the priestly anointing. And the priestly anointing, again, happened, as we know, on the day of Pentecost. And that priestly anointing is when they were in the upper room and fire came down. And then they were able to minister. The ministering did not happen until Acts 2. Then the third anointing that I want you guys to get is the kingly anointing. And a lot of people never get past the second one. But the third one is even more important than the second. The third anointing, she's over shaking her head, she knows. The third anointing is the kingly anointing. Acts chapter 4, when Paul prayed for boldness. And then the Spirit of God came upon him even stronger, and he was able to preach in face of opposition, because he had prayed there in Acts 4 to have strength. So, Paul the Apostle, in Acts 19 verse 2, did not say to the men in Ephesus when he was talking to them, are you saved? And I bring that up to say this is because it's not just being saved, but it's being filled with the Holy Spirit. Because he said, have you received the Holy Spirit since you have believed? And this is a very big part of our walk with Christ. He focused on the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit is the abiding Lord within us. I mean, for the three and a half years that the disciples walked with him, they they served the external Lord because he was there with them in person. They didn't have him on the inside. He was there to teach him his word, and he was there to influence them and instruct them. But I mean, think about this. Even being there with him for three and a half years, they saw his glory. They saw all the healings and the miracles, but they weren't changed. Now, he, what I mean by this is they weren't changed internally because he wasn't with, yet within them. That's why when Paul said, we know no man after the flesh, not even Christ. That is why we cannot be changed knowing the external Messiah. It's not knowing about someone. We have to know them intimately. The abiding Lord is the indwelling Lord. And and I really want to bring some balance to this because I saw some of you kind of looking at me sideways. The Lord did prepare them for ministry. Okay? He he was with them. They saw things. He gave them instruction. Because without this instruction, they wouldn't have been able to be where they were later in Acts that we read. So how he did this is he attached himself to them. And you and I cannot become full of the Spirit unless we become attached to Him as well. So this is a big key I want you guys to pick up now. And this is 
when during my first teaching, I was talking about the spirit, soul, and the body, and which ones were doing what. And the soul, the soul is your emotions, your mind, right? And the disciples couldn't be attached to him soulishly or spiritually, but they were attached to him soulishly, emotionally. So much so that when he was on the way to his death, even Peter, you know, said, Lord, I I will die with you. But he had no power to do that. I mean, he even denied him three times and broke down and cried when he saw Yeshua because he was emotionally attached to him. They wanted to die. Again, they just didn't have the power. Because the stronger anointing in Acts 2 hadn't come upon them yet. But after the day of the Pentecost, everything changed. Now their words became real words. And their promises he gave them to keep became real promises. But the Lord prepared him. Or prepared all of them. And so, how do we prepare ourselves? Especially for his fullness. I mean, how do we receive it? Number one, as we've just seen, we become attached to the Lord in our emotions and in our ways. That he becomes the love of our life. And think about really how much easier it is for us to do it. Because they knew him externally, but we know him as the internal Lord. Because he's in our hearts. Now, what else did Yeshua say or give us as a key of receiving? And you can... Turn to Luke fourteen thirty three. Says so. Likewise, whoever he be of you that forsaketh not all that he hath cannot be my disciple. So the second thing that the Lord prepared them for is that they had to forsake all and deny self. And you know we really have two enemies in this world. We have the devil, and we have our flesh. And self, believe it or not, is way more dangerous than the enemy. Believe me. We must understand the danger of self, of this flesh. Because I can resist the enemy with the word. I mean, you can quote scripture and, and do all that. And by resisting self, I mean, but resisting self, it's a completely different animal altogether. Because self lives within me. It's always there, Right? It says in the Bible to resist the devil and he will free from you. I mean, that's good news, right? But it, self doesn't flee. It sticks around. So that's why it must be crucified daily on the stake. I mean, think about this. I mean, the devil leaves and stays, but the self stays. So if you think about it, which is more dangerous, Right. This is the flesh that we have to deal with on a daily basis, and that's why we have to die. That's why it's the most important thing that you do this first thing in the morning. You cannot live a successful Christian life praying at the end of the day before you go to sleep. I'm sorry. I've never seen anyone in my life do that and do it well. Because you've got all this time that you're awake having to deal with the world, and we're not supposed to be partakers of this world. We're supposed to be set apart from it. This is what happens when I rabbit trail and lose my place. But then what we have to do is we have to follow the Lord as well, because the secret to this is is following. Because in following God, we are able to stay free from self. It's the only way to do it. And remember my Adam and Eve point, those that weren't here, um, that I had made a few weeks ago. Um, losing that... Self-consciousness and becoming God-conscious. That's key. And so how do you test yourself with this? You test yourself by realizing, are the fruits here? You just basically, you take up your cross daily, dying to self. And you follow daily. And you learn to listen to his voice. Like when I was explaining in Leviticus 14, the blood being applied to the right ear of him who is to be cleansed, his right thumb and his right big toe, what was the blood for? Exodus 12 tells us. It was for protection. 
That's why they put it on the doorposts, right? Passover. The blood kept out the enemy. The anointing, however, brings God's voice. Brings his work, his anointing on your work and his anointing on your walk. So the blood does the opposite. It keeps the enemy from being able to touch your mind, your hearing life, your work life, and your walk. That's why it's very important to do this daily. In fact, when I'm in the shower, even before I go pray, sometimes I'm in there as I'm, you know, shampooing, doing my hair, whatever. I'm in there applying the blood, right? And asking him to anoint my hearing life, work life, and walk life. And with the rest of the oil you have in your head, Father, pour it over my head and make atonement for me. That's what he did with the leper. I do this every day. The days I forget, we have problems. I want to tell you that I had forgotten a lot this week. Just like, again, I had even told Rabbi, and I apologize to him for not getting my slides to him in time. That's why you're not seeing anything yet. You know, you're laughing and smiling at me. I... uh I don't remember, Chris, maybe you'd remember. It was probably Tuesday or Wednesday. My blood pressure, it felt like my blood pressure was so high I was about to pass out. And every time I come minister, this happens. I mean, something like this happens. And so she she says, you need to just go take your blood pressure. And I'm like, you know, trying to take vitamins and all this other stuff. And I'm just like, okay, I'll go take my blood pressure. So I walked upstairs and took my blood pressure. You know what it was? 120 over 78. It was an attack. Wasn't anything wrong with me. Next night, she's making dinner and I'm come downstairs and I'm like, man, it feels like just like somebody's got their claws in my throat. Went and took, got some more vitamins and Lord showed me later that's an attack. It wasn't until last night that I'm sitting there finishing slides and preparing the sermon that I heard this song that Tina did for you this morning and I'm sitting there putting everything together and the Lord came in my office and just blessed me. His presence came in really strong and I just had tears coming out of, you know, down my eyes and on my face. And it's one of those times that you just, you just, you just, you're just in awe. And I'm messaging Tina saying, hey, do you know this song? And I said, I'm sitting here shaking right now. I can't hardly type. And, uh, just the way he works is just so beautiful. And I just wanted to segue this because I wanted y'all to understand that if you do these things consistently, you won't have these other problems. And as I reflect back, I'm telling on myself, but as I reflect back, I look, yeah, I may have forgotten a couple, two or three times before doing this. But I want you, I say that to say this, I want you to understand how important this message is today. Because there's certain aspects that don't want you to hear it. I even got pulled over on the way here, believe it or not. I didn't even, t- I didn't even told Chris this. I pulled out of my parking area. I think I told Tina on the way outside. I pulled over out of my uh, district, got on 380. And I don't know. I made a, made a mile and looked over to my right. And cop pulls out and pulls behind me. And I'm looking at my speedometer. We're doing 45 and a 60 because it was 380. It's traffic and Little Elm is horrible. And so... I'm like, okay, he's behind me. So he stayed behind me, and finally I saw an opening, and I'm like, we're still doing 45 mile an hour, by the way. I drive a Camaro. I don't like going 45 and a 60. (laughs) So I put my blinker on. Pulled over the right lane, continued up a little further. Now I'm finally doing 61. He pulls up behind me, turns his lights on. I'm like, what on earth? Shabbat. What on earth? So I pull into Walgreens, roll my windows down, pull my wallet out, stick it on my dash. Put my hands on it. He goes, yeah, you're kind of weaving in and out of traffic back there. That's why I pulled you over. Okay. Everybody's doing 45 mile an hour. I wanted to get to where I'm going. I'm preaching today. And if you keep holding me up longer, I'm going to be preaching to you. (laughs) He just looked at me. Handed him my license. He goes, well, we had an incident back here at this gas station. I just need to make sure it wasn't you. We had a black Camaro that backed into somebody. It was a hit and run. So, well, I just pulled out of Paloma Creek, just left the house. I hadn't even been to a gas station. He says, well, I'll be right back with you. 
but you didn't use your blinker back there. I said, sir, I can tell you what. I saw you behind me. There's no way I wasn't going to use my blinker. <laughs> he just looked at me. Well, I got a camera. I said, you want to go look at it? I'll be right back with you, sir. So he comes back, hands me my license. He says, so where did you get that little crack on the side of your bumper? I'm like, there's a crack on my bumper? So I got out of the car and I looked. And of course, he can see me. I'm dressed. I'm not like a hoodlum in a, you know, in a Camaro. And I said, well, that thing's been there since I bought the car. And he goes, okay, just drive safe. I said, you too. Have a nice day. No ticket. I get in my car and I'm like, thank you, Lord. Because he does, he watches after us. And uh, another thing is I had forgotten my keys. I couldn't find my keys this morning. And I'm running around the house. I run downstairs. I'm like, Chris, have you seen my keys? No, I haven't seen your keys. So I run upstairs and I'm starting to get a little panicky because I'm like, I have to leave. i got to get going. I can't be stuck here. And I said, Lord, Holy Spirit, do you know where my keys are? And as I'm standing here today telling you this, I saw my keys where I had left them. It was in my other bedroom upstairs next to my closet. I never go in there. I wouldn't even, hadn't even thought to looking up there. But that's where they were at. Thank you, Lord. So when you're doing what you're supposed to do, these blessings and these benefits come. And I just want to say it is very important to stay in prayer and to stay in this walk. Because when you're not, it's chaos. And also, I just want to say, if, if you're glued to that stupid phone all day, you're being led by Apple, not God. I, I just need to interject that here. I mean, I, I really think that there's a reason they named it Apple. What does Exodus 23 say? Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Some of you spend more time on your device than you do with the Lord. Uh, I just, I, I, I'm, I'm being funny, but I'm being serious. I, I really think it's time for all of us to self-examine and figure out what's right and who's really running and leading our lives. I just feel like I need to point this out because I know from reading his word and learning his nature that he's just not going to share your time with your phone. He's a jealous God. And if you want the anointing, there's things you've got to give up. Creating selfies on Facebook maybe isn't one of them. Maybe it is one of them, you know. Now, another thing that they did, number three, they received and took hold of the promise of the coming of the Holy Spirit. If we take hold of the promise and the promise takes hold of us, we will receive that fullness because we will lay everything else aside. Our whole desire will be the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. And that's why the disciples waited 10 days before they were filled. And I know a lot of people want the power of God, but fail to understand it won't come until you first experience his presence. And if you remember, as I'd explained a few weeks ago, and those of you who haven't, there's a difference between the presence and the power of God. You don't feel his presence. You feel his power. Why? Because he's omnipresent. His presence is everywhere. When his presence comes inside you, you, have, you, you obtain his fruits. But when his power comes, that's when you feel him. When we're worshiping, you have our hands raised and we're, you know, tears coming down our face because we feel his glory coming on us. It's, it's part of his power. And I'm going to say this. Just, I'm just going to come out and say it this way. When the presence comes, his, the very first thing you, you get is his, the, is his fruits. And this is not, and I repeat as loudly I can, this is not something you can produce. 
I mean, you can emulate it all day long. You can emulate long-suffering, love, gentleness. But you go on Highway 635 and you tell me how long that lasts. When it's real, you don't produce anything. It's there. It changes you. When it's real, I'm going to tell you, it doesn't matter if someone's cutting you off in traffic. You still feel the peace, joy, and the patience. And it sustains you. Now, after his presence is there, the fruits are there, and then the anointing comes. And he will anoint you with his spirit. And then you will receive power, not before. There's no shortcuts. We have to get in his presence first. Now, I'm going to elaborate on it. The presence of God is the vehicle that brings the power. The power follows the presence. Not the other way around. The presence and the fruit come together all at once. And you'll know them how? How does the Bible say we will know people? By their fruits. So you will know whether people are in the spirit or in the flesh by their fruits. Right? When you receive the anointing of the spirit, the result is the fulfillment of Acts 1.8, which says you will be witnesses of me. This means speaking in tongues or manifesting gifts of the Spirit without the presence. It's not what what God is talking about here. You must have the presence first, which will give you the fruit. Then the anointing will come, which is his power. And then you will be his witness. So what do we do after we have it? You must keep it full, and that's, this is why today's sermon is entitled, Change Your Oil. And, you know, we really are like cars in a lot of ways. I mean, we have an engine, we have, you know, we have things that we've got to do to take care of it, right? Um, if you don't take care of it, they wear out. And one thing's for certain... If you don't change your oil, your car starts to get bad pretty quick and have issues. Sometimes these issues can be so bad it'll stop working. And I'm going to save you that, been there, done that, and have the t-shirt story. We all do crazy things as kids and forgetting to put oil in our cars is one of them. We never forget gas. We always just forget the oil, right? No, I'm going to skip the story. Yeah. But like cars, uh, we have an engine that needs gas and food in order to keep going. And our spirit man needs to recharge as well. And we do that through the reading of the word. And his word sustains us and keeps us going. However, the oil keeps us running well. And the and the Bible likens oil unto the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Look at the virgins, the parable of the virgins. What were they missing? Oil in their lamps. What are their lamps? It's their vessel. Oil in their vessels. So there's some quick observations that I think about the characteristics, excuse me, or if it can actually help you understand Some of the things of the Spirit here, for example, number one, oil will evaporate if it's not replenished regularly. And eventually it's just going to disappear. In fact, if enough time passes, that the vessel that held the oil will be empty with little evidence that it even held the oil. Now, the Spirit doesn't evaporate, but you may think he has if you neglect him. You don't spend time with him. You must constantly allow the oil of the Spirit to flow over your life. Refreshing your spiritual life. And the anointing will remain in your life if you continue to walk and talk, not always to, the Lord. And when you spend time in his presence, the oil of the Holy Spirit will refresh you daily through prayer and Fellowship, And notice I said prayer and fellowship because they are 
two different things. Prayer, like I mentioned in my last teaching, is petition. It's where you do the talking. Fellowship is where you spend time where his spirit fills your room and he does the talking. You people getting this? I mean, if I come over to your house and ring your doorbell and ask you to borrow some milk, is that a petition or a request? It's a petition, right? Hey, or a request. Hey, I need to borrow some milk. But, you know, it's funny that most people never really make it any further with their relationship with the Father. Y'all are just next-door neighbors. You don't get to know them. Because all we do is have this huge laundry list of things that we want to ask. Okay, Lord, thank you. We walk right out. Hey, I've been there. I did it. Before I realized this. Because I wasn't taught this when I got saved. Oh yeah, you're supposed to pray and read your Bible. Good luck. You're good. Yeah, that's part of it. But fellowship and how to enter in was not part of that original. Hey bud, you just came to the Lord. Now I want to share some things with you. This is what you need to do. This is how you maintain your walk. We're not just supposed to just help people get there. How do you maintain that walk with Christ? It's through fellowship. My wife and I were sitting at a table, I don't know, a month, two months ago, with an individual that we were talking to about the Lord over at Guy's house. And he's just like, well, I, I just don't understand even what the meaning of life is. I said, well, I can tell you what the meaning of life is. It's why we were created. It was for fellowship. Adam and Eve, why did he create them? He walked in the garden with them. He created us for this fellowship. He wants it more than you do. We just have to know how to enter in and get into his presence to have that relationship. Now, if I come over to your house, I say, do you have a few minutes to chat while I borrow some milk? That builds the relationship. Because it's not one-sided anymore. And and I just want to add here, because a lot of people are looking at me like, are you really talking with the Lord? Yeah, I am. The Bible says, thus saith the Lord. It doesn't say, thus said the Lord. I want you to know he's still speaking today. Amen. I mean, you're not going to want to, you know his will for your life by reading his word. But you know his will for your daily life by listening to his voice. Yeshua even said, my sheep know me and hear my voice. How are we to know Christ if you're not hearing his voice? If you're not, let's do some self-examining and figure out what we need to do to get there. I know there were times that I would be running around, walking around going, man, am I really saved? You know, all the churches that I had been in, you know, I'm under this grace. I said my salvation prayer. I got my ticket, right? I got my salvation ticket, Lord, but I never felt saved. It's because the change in me hadn't happened yet. Yes, I was saved. Yes, I had come to Christ. But I didn't develop the relationship yet. No one taught me. It's the most important thing we can do as believers. Is to develop that relationship. There is nothing more important. Because without him, we're nothing. When that relationship and fellowship begins, he will charge us. And entrust us with more and anoint us for service. And it is all about trust. Don't think you're going to come up here and be Benny in the first day. It's not going to work that way. Sorry, I used to work for him for those that weren't here during my first teaching. But another characteristic about oil 
is that it leaks if there's a hole in the vessel. That hole may be tiny and even undetectable to the naked eye, but if there's any blemish or impurity, that hole will find it and it's going to leak out. And Ephesians 4 cautions us about any potential holes in your vessel when it says give no place to the devil. The word place derives from the Greek word for avenue or window. So you are to give no avenue to the devil. Don't let the holes of bitterness and unforgiveness, self-pity, all that, don't let all that creep in your life. For this is just going to give way to leaks. Just as your car will have if it's got a faulting seal or a bad gasket. And notice gaskets get dried out without a proper seal and will rot if they're not sealed properly. And I just want to say that as you seek and walk in his presence and in the anointing, it's imperative that you guard against any of these holes and concentrate on keeping your oil fresh. Now, a third characteristic about oil is that if it, it has to have the proper density, viscosity, right, to work in an engine, to work well in an engine. Viscosity measures the ability for the oil to stand up against heat and pressure, stress. The lower the viscosity, the less protection under certain levels of pressure. Just like we change our oil in our cars regularly, so important that manufacturers even recommend oil changes up to 5,000 miles to get the maximum benefit out of it. Otherwise, in addition to getting dirty, the oil just gets thin, discolored, and it can actually do more harm to your engine than good. So, in contrast, the anointing will also wear thin under spiritual warfare. This is why you must give daily attention to prayer and Bible study. It's the only way to build your spiritual resilience and strength. It'll transform you if you stay in it. And it's really impossible for it not to. I think we have a slide for this. Go to 1 Samuel 10 and you'll find the account of Samuel and his anointing of Saul with oil. And the Spirit of the Lord will come upon you and you will prophesy with them and be turned into another man. I'm going to read this again. The Spirit of the Lord will come upon you, and you will prophesy with them, and be turned into another man. Saul was literally turned, emotionally, soulishly, into another man when God's Spirit came inside of him. The anointing turns you into a different different person, and as, if I, as I've experienced it personally. When my mind becomes clear without confusion and my spirit man becomes sensitive to things of the spirit. And I'll explain. When I was working, uh, before working at home full time now, uh, when I was working over at the Galleria, I'd be sitting there and I'd have my headphones on doing my work, but I'd have worship music playing in my ear. And I'm sure there's sometimes that I'd have my coworkers kind of looking around because I'd get involved in a song, not realize how loud I was, you know. <laughs> Looking over at me, I had the. I know that's why this this one Indian guy was always out because I'd do this and I'm sure I bothered him. <clears throat> but I'd I'd leave and get up and go through the mall to go get some lunch, and I'd walk by these stores like A and E or the E. Uh, what do you call them? They play the real loud music in the stores, you know, the rock music or some goofy rap music or whatever. And I'd have to walk walk real fast to get by it because it bothered my spirit. When you're that in tune, things of this world will affect you if it's not of God. And why music? Why was it music? Why did music do that? Well, I'll explain why. Music is the only thing that we have on earth that was not created here. 
It's the only thing we have on earth that was not created here. It was created in heaven. And then it was distorted. Right? So, if you're coming here to worship and listening to Ben's wonderful music and did the man that was great today by the way i was really getting into the especially that last song very anointed when when if you're during the week listening to things you're not supposed to and you come here to trying to enter and in it's not going to work again i'm telling you from experience you cannot be full of the world six days a week and then come in here and expect to worship and enter into his presence in 15 minutes. It's not going to work. They that wait upon the Lord, you're waiting an hour. Yeshua gave us the example. He was talking to his disciples. What did he say? When he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, he was there praying. He asked his disciples to pray. What did they do? They fell asleep. Yeshua says, what, what did Yeshua say to him? Couldn't you wait with me for just one hour? That's key. Sometimes we're waiting for an hour before he shows up. Why? Because you got to die. You have that flesh has to die. Self has to die. Saul was changed after this anointing, and we see this confirmed confirmed in verse nine. And it was so that when he had turned his back to go from Samuel, God gave him another heart. And those signs came to pass that day. God used Saul to slay thousands of Philistines, or Nephilim, have you. He became king of all of Israel, but tragically, flaws and holes developed, as Second Samuel tells us in chapter 1, verse 21. And, you know, warriors back then had a special way to care for their weapons and armor and shields. They were made of leather, but they, they would rub on oil to preserve them. Just as shepherds used to take oil and rub it on the sheep to keep the flies off. And what are flies symbolic of? Demons. Alright? The rubbing of oil is symbolic of the anointing. For when our lives are rubbed with it, the anointing of the Ruach, will, then it will, you will become effectual for the kingdom of God. However, Saul became as though he had never been anointed. He lost it through sin. 1 Samuel 13, 8 through 14 gives an account of Saul and his army battling the Philistines. Samuel, the judge and prophet, had promised to make certain offerings himself before Israel went into battle. And when He didn't show up when Saul thought he should, as expected. Saul foolishly thought he could strengthen or bolster Israel's chances against the Philistines. And what did he do? He offered the burnt offerings himself. I want to, we're going to go through and read this in scripture and we're going to see it for ourselves. And he tarried seven days and according to the time set that Samuel had appointed, but Samuel came not to Gilgal. And the people were scattered from him. And Saul said, bring hither a burnt offering to me and peace offerings. And he offered the burnt offering. And it came to pass, as soon as he had made an end of the offering, the burnt offering, behold, Samuel came and Saul went out to meet him, that he might salute him. And Samuel says, dude, what did you do? I'm sorry, it doesn't say that. That's Chad's version. Saul says, because I, what I saw, the people were scattered from me. And thou camest not within the days appointed that, you know, and that, and that the Philistine gathered themselves at Michmash. Therefore, I said, uh, the Philistines are going to come down on me to Gilgal, and I've not made supplication unto the Lord. So I, 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 I forced myself, therefore, and I, and I offered a burnt offering. I imagine it happened pretty much just like that. Samuel said to Saul, you messed up. You've done foolishly. Thou hast not kept the commandment of the Lord thy God, which he commanded thee. For now, would the Lord have established thy kingdom upon Israel forever? But now thy kingdom shall not continue. 
the Lord hath sought him a man after his own heart, and the Lord hath commanded him to be captain of his people. But because you have not kept that which the Lord commanded thee, but this disobedience, Saul violated God-given fundamental standards of the offices of king and prophet. He sinned, and God looked upon him as though he had never been anointed. Sin is separation from God. We see it in the garden. And after his disobedience, Saul fought the Philistines without the anointing and was soundly defeated. God called his action rebellion, likening it unto the sin of witchcraft. It was filthy before God. Furthermore, when Saul lost the kingly anointing, an evil spirit came in and possessed him. That kingly anointing had given him control and authority over Hasatan. But when he lost his anointing, those roles changed. And Hasatan had dominion over Saul. Judas too. If you recall, he lost the kingly anointing. Like, what? He was anointed? Yeah. You sure had said to him, and behold, the other eleven in Luke ten nineteen, Behold, I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing by any means shall hurt you. Judas was anointed. But he lost his anointing, and the devil possessed him, and he betrayed Yeshua. And we all know what happened there. So, guard the anointing when you get it carefully. And as Yeshua also mentions in Luke twelve forty eight, To whom much is given, from him much will be required. And part of the anointing when it comes... And I'm going to segue here a little bit. The gifts of the Spirit are evident. And I break with the assemblies of God on a specific maxim. And part of their tenets of faith and what they believe is that if you're filled with the Spirit, you must speak in tongues. That's the first the evidence. I'm going to tell you, that's absolutely not true. I have seen too many people that have been baptized and filled in the Holy Spirit that had another gift evident, but it was not tongues. I've seen people prophesy. I've seen people have discernment, word of knowledge, healing. So it doesn't, he gives his gifts how he desires, not how we think he should. Right? Sovereign God. Everybody bow your heads, I'm going to close. Heavenly Father, I thank you for today. I thank you for the wonderful music. I thank you for your presence more than anything else. And your anointing. And Father, this day, I ask you to not just be with us to fellowship, but you would also fill us with your spirit. That you would fill us with your presence that you would give us your fruits and dwell and be with us daily. Be our God. Be our shepherd. Let us continue to hear your voice daily. And I pray, touch everyone here. Don't let anybody leave the same. Father, your word says, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all of your benefits. Lord, just as we have benefits for any employer, anyone we would work for, your benefits are so much greater. Your benefits are awesome. Who heals us of all of our diseases and forgives us of all of our iniquities. We thank you, Father, for those stripes you took on your back. We thank you, Father, for having your beard pulled out, becoming sin for us, and forgiving us when we didn't deserve it. We've never deserved it for what you've done for us. 
You are so holy, so gracious. Let your grace and your anointing flow through here today. Everybody stand.